it is time for another episode of the podcast. We are fresh off of uh, stirring shit up on TikTok. Um, Larry has made everybody mad. Um, they're, uh, they're probably pitchforks and, and torches uh, headed his way as we speak. Um, <clears throat> but uh, we had a great episode last week with Michael Lombard. Um, and boy, do I have exciting news for y'all. Larry's going to be gone next week. Is that, was, is that the exciting news? Yeah, and I was struggling to find a co-host. You know, last time we had uh, Tony Stroncheck from uh, Pro Miles Pro came Miles. in with us. Uh, we had Larry Cawthorn step in one time. Uh, but I thought, especially after today, I thought, you know what we need? We need ourselves another dose of Anique. So Anique LeSage from Small World Ventures will be back next week and uh for those of y'all that hate brokers you better buckle up because she's coming back and she's coming back with a vengeance uh and she will be the co-host of the show so i am really looking forward to this um so in case you have not working myself out of a job here there's a little (laughs) there's a little method in my madness here okay yeah is this one you're not going to chicago what are you doing no i'm going to chicago it's it's our baby it's our youngest grandbaby's birthday morgan uh, okay. So we're going up for the weekend. So. Yeah. Well, listen, grandkids probably, probably take precedence over the podcast. So, well, you know, three or four times a year, you have to kind of get your priorities in order. Most of the time I don't, but you know, <laughs> my wife tends to help me with that once in a while. So. All righty. Well, um, let's take a moment to remember our sponsor, Pittsburgh power and the OPS and max mileage products. Uh, we are, we've, it's been about a year, I guess now our relationship. It, well, it, 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 our relationship's been a lot longer than a year, but our sponsor relationship's been about a year. We've been using right. their products for a very long time and we'll continue to. Um, and so we, we've got some sponsorship announcements and stuff coming up for you in the next couple of weeks. So we'll, once you put the graphic we, up, it is up. How come I don't see it? I don't know, but I can see it. I don't see it. It's up there. Hmm. Do y'all see it out there? I certainly see it. Let me go full screen. Still don't see it. Well, it's there. I'm looking right at it. Um, Hmm. Anyway, well, so let's get on to the business at hand because this is going to be the first of many episodes. Yeah, Richie says we see it, so we're good. This is going to be the first of many episodes on this topic that we're going to cover tonight because you can't get it in just one. Um, it's going to take a lot of time, and Larry's video just went away, so he must be he must be having his feet tangled in the cords again. Uh, anyway, we'll get him back here momentarily. But this this subject of blockchain is going to be something that we um, are going to talk about a lot. We've talked about it. We've mentioned it. And now it's time to bring in some people with some real experience in, uh, in, this, uh, in this area. Um, and we're going we're gonna to have to do this in little bites. There he is. I got him back. Kinda. I don't know what happened. I just well, went away. Well, there we go. All right. Now you're back. Um, so anyway, uh, we're going to bring in this guest and we're just going to start very slowly, 
but you've got to start understanding this technology and the impact that it's not only going to have on trucking, it's going to have on the globe. Every possible market is going to be affected by blockchain. Every possible means and transaction is going to be affected by blockchain. And so we need to start learning now. And with that, I'm going to bring in our guest, Todd Ziegler. And boom, there he is. Uh, so welcome, Todd. Uh, we've had some conversations uh, through email. Uh, we got hooked up, and, and I think we're both on the same page as to where we're heading here. So why don't you take a minute, introduce yourself to the audience, give them a little background about where you came from and how you got here, and then we will proceed into the subject. Absolutely, and thank you both for the opportunity to, uh, to discuss this uh, convergence of $2 trillion American industries, right? Uh, blockchain and Web3 and, and the transportation space. So uh, my name is Todd Ziegler. I'm the CEO of uh, TruckCoinSwap. We are a blockchain-based um, fintech company uh, that settles freight invoices. Uh, my background, I've, I've been in the industry for about 10 years. I'm not somebody from uh, Palo Alto or Manhattan. Um, I, uh, I'm a recovering attorney by education, uh, landed in the industry, like I said, about a decade ago, um, spent a lot of my time in, in the C-suite for a couple companies, working with Fortune 1000 shippers, helping them source capacity, work through procurement events, those types of things. Uh, and that's where I ran into this problem. And a lot of people uh, are familiar with the transportation industry. Uh, but they're not aware that we have a systemic trade finance problem in the industry that's costing these carriers and brokers and 3PLs an awful lot of money. And uh, there really has not been a solution to the problem until now, uh, because that uh, the, the solution really only comes to us through blockchain and, and Web3 tech. Okay. So I guess let's start at the beginning. What is blockchain? Yeah, that's that's a fantastic question. So um, there are different blockchains, right? Uh, and a lot of people are familiar with uh, Bitcoin. They're familiar with Ethereum. Uh, there are a number of, of different blockchains out there. But to, to break it down, you know, kind of in its in its simplest form, I like to use a freight analogy, right? It's kind of like a railroad, right? And, and on that railroad, um, there are different uh, trains, which, you know, can be things like L2 providers. Uh, but, you know, at, at its core, it's, it's, an, it's a way to move value between parties and counterparties at very, very low costs, at very, very high speeds. Uh, so uh, some people are familiar with conventional finance and, and the kind of the traditional banking rails that we have, but it's slow, it's antiquated. Um, it, it, and it just, it, it doesn't allow us to, to innovate and bring forward the types of solutions and value proposition that blockchain does. So, and, and we're still, we're still at the ground level, right? I think it's something like, uh, 1% of the world owns or is familiar with blockchain and digital assets. Uh, so it's still very early. Uh, but, uh, to your point, uh, spe specifically as it relates to settlement and trade finance, the entire world is going to change in the next three to five years because businesses and consumers are going to demand uh, the benefits that, that come to all of us from this technology. Well, you know, you brought up the conventional banking system, which, you know, I've got this anecdote for you. For you. 
about two months ago, we had some really bad windstorms come through here and it tore up the roof of my house. So I called the insurance company and went through the thing. They sent out the adjuster and then they said, okay, uh, approved. We're going to send you a check. Awesome. So <clears throat> I've already got the estimate. The guy's chomping at the bit. He's ready to lay shingles on top of my roof. They send me a check. Well, of course, it's written to me and to the mortgage company. Now I have to send it to the mortgage company. They have to endorse it. They send it back to me. I finally got the check yesterday back from the mortgage company. I took it to the bank. Now, you know, we're going to have to put a two-day hold on this. Uh -huh. It's like it's, you know, where now that I understand blockchain, if we were in a blockchain-based financial system, there could have been a button pressed and the contractor paid instantly, you know, it's just, but this, this antiquated, I don't know if it's slow on purpose. I mean, you, we have real security threats. We have real problems that, that surround money that have to be dealt with. The, the criminals and the scammers are, uh, they're proficient. Um, they're good at what they do. And, so obviously we have to have some protection measures in place, but because everything has to go through these centralized points, then there's, there's, there's no way to protect, but blockchain being a decentralized ledger that is immutable and it's everywhere all the time, these transactions literally could happen in the snap of your fingers and be free you know, uh, or almost, if not free, almost free. So that's where we're trying to get to. And so when we look at the problems, um, when we had a Nico on the, the broker and she's coming back, we talked a lot about double brokering mm -hmm. and it's like, there's two kinds of double brokering. There's the kind where someone promises to do a load ends up not having a truck. So they'll broker it out to try to piece everything together. Let's call that, um, consequential double brokering. And then there's the scammers. Then there's the people that just want to call with a fake number and, a, and, and, or steal someone's information, steal their MC number, steal their phone number, steal their information and book a load and get a fuel advance and then vanish into thin air mm -hmm. with the money. Right. So we've got two problems there and blockchain fixes this because now we have an immutable record that cannot be changed. That's what immutable means. It cannot be changed. It cannot be hacked because there's no one central server to go through. Um, so can we talk a little bit about that immutable nature and, and maybe use the example of double brokering or just the relationship? Because you have a shipper and you have a carrier. And there's either going to be someone between them or not, okay, and this has been the big conversation. Truckers right now, especially in my TikTok comment section, brokers are unnecessary. Well, that's incorrect because you don't have a sales department. And if you did, you probably couldn't sell water to a thirsty man in the middle of a desert. Okay. Salespeople are very talented. Um, you're, you don't have time as a single truck owner operator to do sales calls. You don't have time to make direct relationships. You need someone to assist you in that. And that's where the brokers come in. And likewise, the shipper is not going to employ someone full-time. That's why we have brokers. They're not going to employ someone full-time that can get sick or go on maternity leave or die or suck or just be terrible at their jobs where they can press that off onto the broker. 
Right. So we have these people that need to connect with one another. They need to trust one another and they all need to be compensated fairly for what they're doing. So you want to talk a little bit about blockchain and how that, that could help. Uh, yeah, no, the, 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 these are all really important uh, issues and uh, there's, there's important applications and use cases within blockchain. The, the one thing I, I kind of want to throw out to start is, um, you know, what the, the settlement platform that Truckcoin Swap has created, it's, it's not theory, right? There's a lot of, you know, theoretical use cases out there or, or tech companies that are solving 1% problems. Um, that's, that's not what we're doing. So we, we announced the first ever, uh, the world's first freight invoice settlement on the blockchain back in December. And I just, this, this will kind of put some context on it, right? It was a $1,000 load that we were able to settle for the carrier. Now, ordinarily, if, you know, they, they factored that load, uh, they would probably, you know, pay something like a 25 to, to 35% interest rate, and they'd be waiting 10 days for the factor to pay them. Or maybe if they were waiting for the shipper to pay them directly, they'd be waiting 60 days or 90 days or maybe longer. Uh, we were able to settle that invoice instantaneously in, in less than a second, get them to cash in less than a second. And then it still took about three days uh, to move the USD, the dollar value of that invoice from the exchange to their business checking account, right? Uh, so it still took us about three days, but the total cost to the carrier on that $1,000 settlement was a dollar and one cent nice. on the blockchain. Uh, so we're talking about a, a settlement process and a technology that is just infinitely superior to everything else out there. And, and you're right about the immutability and transparency as well. I was talking uh, to a couple folks today about, you know, double brokering is, has really become more prevalent since we've kind of entered this uh, soft freight market. At least it appears that way. Mm -hmm. And one of the things you guys will love this that we're able to do, you know, typically you've got an MC, you've got a DOT, you've got a notarized signature, you got a business checking account, you got an address for a carrier. That's a great way to kind of vet carriers or, or, or vet shippers or, or, or whoever. Uh, but one of the things that we can do in the blockchain and Web3 space is we can actually look at a wallet address and determine mm -hmm. instantaneously whether or not that wallet address is owned by the person who's supposed to be receiving settlement, right? Mm -hmm. If we're settling with a carrier in Indianapolis and they send us a wallet address that's got you know, a, an, an IP fixated in Albania, we immediately <laughs> know that fraud is afoot. Yeah. Right. Uh, so there's just a lot of really cool things from, you know, a security perspective as well, financial security and, and cybersecurity that we could do with this technology that is just not available in traditional finance and, and banking. The so I don't want to get too much in the weeds because I understand everything that you just said, but I've been. I've been watching crypto and blockchain for over a decade. So you said Web3, you said the exchange, you said U.S. dollars. I don't want people to get lost in the weeds here, but sure. can we kind of address some of those vocabulary terms there where you're talking about Web3, you're talking about an exchange because a, a, a blockchain creates cryptocurrency. 
a cryptocurrency cannot exist without blockchain and blockchain cannot exist without a cryptocurrency. Right. So I, you know, I don't want people don't, especially God, if you watch too much news, okay, just turn the news off. Okay. For the <laughs> love of all that is good and kind. Okay. Right. Um, but in, in, in Austrian economics, especially, um, you have this proxyology, you have, you have this, uh, this, this it's human action. Okay. And when you have a currency, you have a, a, a store of value that is created like digging gold. You're literally doing physical action to dig gold out of the ground and you're getting something that's rare and, and it's valuable. The, 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 the blockchain activity creates that currency because the currency is re rewarding. If I get off the rails here, stop me. But the, the miners that are reconciling all these transactions are rewarded with cryptocurrency. So the currency is created from action, not from some guy in a suit in DC going, push the button, money printer, go burr. Right. right. Am I, am I right. good so far? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So when you have a currency that is created from human action and not the whim of some centralized authority that says, Oh, because I said, so we'll press the button. Um, you have, you have real value that is built there that it's not just built on a whim. Right. So when you reconcile this transaction, is it Ethereum? Is it what, what kind of, what kind of coin, because you were having to go through the exchange to get to dollars. So how are we getting from one space to the other? Right. So um, I'll, I'll try to take that piece by piece. So in, in reverse order, um, the, the, the token, the, the store of value that we're using to facilitate this super fast and super cheap settlement is a Polygon token. Right. And, and for anybody that's not familiar with Polygon, the, the way I like to describe it is Ethereum is the blockchain. Right. Mm -hmm. Ethereum is the train track. Mm -hmm. And Polygon is like the uh, the train, right? That can move value from one party to another. Uh, it's 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 you know referred to as a as a layer two solution, but that's that's really not important. Uh, so so the token that helps us facilitate all of this is is a Polygon token. And to your point about you know U.S. dollars, the the and everybody's intimately familiar with it now, uh, given that inflation is depending on who you ask, somewhere between <laughs> six and six and twelve percent annualized, right? Right. Everything's more expensive. That's because there's no cap on the supply, right? The right. Uh, our friend our friends in Washington uh, can print as much of this stuff as they want, and the more they print, uh, the less it's worth. Right. Um, whereas if you look at by comparison, something like Bitcoin. There are only ever 23 million Bitcoins that can ever be mined, right? Yep. There is a cap on the supply. And that's why we've seen Bitcoin over the last 12 or so years go from a value of 0. 0.0001 to I, it almost hit $70,000 a couple of years ago. I think it's currently around $30,000. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of volatility and, and, and there's up and down, but the value is, is the scarcity, right? Uh, if, if, Whoever, um, if, if Satoshi or, you know, whoever the 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 ultimate uh, creator of Bitcoin actually is said, hey, I'm going to create this uh, this blockchain and this currency and I'm going to be able to print as much of it as I want. 
um, it probably never would have gone anywhere. Right. Right. Um, and, and that's the thing, you know, we talk so much about, um, you know, not wanting to change, not wanting to adopt new technology, not wanting to adopt new innovation. But look at how insane our current model is. Right. We have carriers that are paying and brokers who are paying 25 to 35 percent annualized interest rates. These are the equivalent of payday loans and yep. hard money loan rates to get their cash advance to them on their receivables because they can't wait, you know, 30 to 180 days to get paid directly by a shipper. And what's being advanced to them is a currency that's predicated on debt. I mean, it's not even an asset. It's 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 actually a debt instrument that's mm-hmm. inflating to the tune of six to 12 percent a year. I feel like if aliens came down to the planet and you gave them two options, our current economic model and a blockchain based settlement model, they would say, well, who in the world would right. you know take on the, the fiat currency banking model? And it is it is categorically insane. But that's, you know, it, it takes time to evolve, right, in terms of, you know, financial literacy and, and financial innovation. But we're at a really cool time because a lot of amazing stuff is happening right now. And fear of the unknown. Correct. Yeah. It's like the, the, the baby, you know. Yeah, I know it's, it stinks, but it's warm and it's mine. So don't, don't take it off of me. You can, know? I go, right. can I go all the way back to the roof analogy? Go ahead. So my summation here, the problem with that transaction you had was that it was an inherent lack of trust between the parties. Right. Yep. Okay. Uh, the insurance company did not trust that you were going to do the right thing. The mortgage company does not trust that you're going to do the right thing. The bank doesn't trust that you, who you are. Mm-hmm. So the whole thing gets bogged down because of a lack of trust. Yep. What little I know about blockchain is it resolves that problem of trust because of the immutability. Yes. The fact that the trust is inherent in the transaction by design, by the fact that there's all these jillions of pieces that no one can get their hands on all of them. And I apologize for my elementary description here, but am I on the right track here? Yeah, I think I, I, I think you've kind of hit the nail on the head. Um, and you know, the, the, the analogy that you gave about the uh, the contractor and and the the insurance reconciliation, I mean, it reminded me exactly of settling a freight transaction, right? right. Like you you've got a you typically got a lumper involved somewhere, you typically got a factoring company involved somewhere, and it, it may not be it you know it may not look like a factoring company, right? It could just be uh, somebody that's advancing you cash and skimming three to four percent off the top, right? Um, and, and there's all these counterparties involved in, in every truckload of freight that drives down the road. And, you know, this is, you know, if, if it, so a lot of people talk about Bitcoin and Bitcoin kind of came about through a white paper that was written by somebody named Satoshi. Right. right. And the thesis is really, if you break it down, that this technology is the best technology that humankind has ever seen for disintermediating third parties, uh, improving quality of life, and, and improving the trust deficit, right? right. Uh, that, that's, that is the use case that you know, was kind of the impetus of blockchain. So we're now seeing that solving problems with respect to the trade finance problem in the transportation industry. 
And I believe strongly in the next three to five years, we're going to see this technology disrupting trade finance in every industry around the world. Right. And trucking is the perfect proving ground because you can't help but be separated by distance from the people that you're dealing with. Back to our roof analogy, the first thing I had to do was build some trust, right? I don't know a roofer. So what did I do? I called my friend, the contractor. Hey, John, I need a roof. I need a name. Well, I, I trust John because John builds bathrooms that cost more than my house, right? So I know John's going to know some good people. John says, absolutely, call this guy. Called that guy. He came. He gave me. The so now I've got the trust built with the contractor, which I got through relationship. Right. And, you know, I have a, I, I have a contractual relationship with the insurance company. Uh, but they've been screwed enough times that they're not just going to say, oh, yeah, man, go ahead. We, we trust you completely. No, you don't. And you shouldn't. You know, you shouldn't trust me completely. I need some way to prove myself. Now, one little one little side exit I want to take here. I'm wondering is if this immutability um, will get us to a point where the dirt bags that need to be brought out into the light of day um, will th that blockchain will shine a light on them that they can never hide from. Do you agree with that? I think we'll get there. I don't think we're there today, right? Uh, but I, I think we will get there. And, you know, a couple of years ago, we saw IBM and Maersk partner up on the, the trade lens blockchain project, right? Which was, really about uh, improving efficiency in uh, settlement and uh, workflow. And, you know, they, you know, it, it didn't get the market participation that they were hoping. Uh, but, you know, it, it was a great use case. And I think we're going to see a lot more use cases around the security issue and around issues related to mitigating fraud and, and malfeasance and misrepresentation, because there's a lot of that in the industry right now. I think people that don't understand the technology, the blockchain technology, they're still going to have uh, doubts because of the fact that always there's always been a way to corrupt the system. Everything we've ever done has been corruptible. How can you guarantee them or how can you explain to these people that that's not going to happen with, with blockchain? Yeah, it, I mean, it's it's difficult to corrupt, right? Because uh, to, to the point earlier on, on immutability, everything is on the chain, right? I mean, every transaction has complete transparency. And not every blockchain or every application or every use case or every company that's building in the space is completely decentralized. Some parties are, some parties aren't. But uh, we've got this ledger. Right. Um, it, it's funny. You hear some of the some of the anti um, blockchain, anti digital asset crowd in Washington, D.C. You know, they talk about uh, illicit tra illicit transactions. Right. And, uh, you know, Ill unlawful activities that are taking place uh, that are denominated in Bitcoin and Ethereum. It's like point zero one percent of all the illicit transactions in the world are denominated in digital assets. The other 99.9% are all denominated in government fiat currencies. And mostly right. dollars. Mostly dollars. Yeah, it's <laughs> probably like 90 to 95% in dollars. Right. So um, is it a perfect system? No, but it is infinitely better than the system that we have today. 
Ross Ulbricht has Ross Ulbricht has been in prison 3,500 days. Now, a bunch of y'all have no idea who that is. Google him because he's been in prison 3,500 days for running a website. Um, but you're welcome. Just jump on down that rabbit hole. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's and it was funny. I think it was Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> that put out what uh, one Bitcoin transaction takes more electricity than it does to run your entire house, yeah. which is just the absolute biggest line of horseshit probably ever uttered by a politician. But people just took it because yep. she said it and her team said, oh, yeah. But, oh. Todd, can you hear me? I can hear you. Chris, you just dropped out. Chris. You dropped Sorry down. about that. There you I go. Think, I think I back. accidentally hit the mute button. Uh, you, it was you Elizabeth, hit, you it was Elizabeth Warren. Are you hitting See? the wires with your feet? Come on. Dude. No. Yeah, Chris, I, I, I didn't want to name names, but uh, you, you went ahead and did. So. It, was, it was Pocahontas getting into my computer. Um, <laughs> well, and, 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 and it's not just her. It, it's right. this. And, and listen, I am not going to give any politician credit enough that they even know what they're talking about because they don't. Um, but this is a very, very threatening technology to a lot of, of established firms and established industries, um, that are going to fight like hell. Mm -hmm. Um, and people are like, oh, but then this is going to happen. Okay. I wish him the best of luck. Okay. Because if you'll take the time to understand what blockchain is and its full capabilities, when you really talk in, you know, when you get into the privacy stuff. I wish him the best of luck because this, this genie is out of the bottle. Pandora's box is opened and there is no putting a lid on it ever. Right. right. So let you, me, let me play ahead. devil's advocate just a little bit. Okay. So uh, let's use TikTok for an example. You know, the, the genie's out of the bottle. The only way they can put the genie back in the bottle is to ban the app. Mm -hmm. um, with the with the talk of the of the U.S. government having digital currency, and them um, making a lot of false innuendos about the exchange that failed down in where it was, can they oh, scare yeah. people away from from the? I mean, everybody thinks TikTok now is a Chinese spy, <laughs> you know, when all they're worried about is people being able to talk to themselves, you know, to each other, decentralized, you know. Right. How do how do we counter the the power of I'm going to use this word patriotism? How do we counter the power of patriotism? Yeah, that's a great question, and there <clears throat> you know this is this is almost one of the you know the top topics on the Hill right now, and I'll I'll let you guys know I'm in touch with a number of members of Congress. Um, we've got a war right now against capital formation. Uh, we've got a war against tech innovation. The problem is this is a uh, this is a global tech, right? So mm -hmm. the United States and, you know, another big concern right now in the country is, you know, we need to do everything in our power to maintain world reserve currency status. Right. We want to we want to keep the petrodollar. We want the dollar mm -hmm. to be the the pre uh, most prevalent currency in the world. Right. We want all oil transactions denominated in U.S. dollars. Well, if you say we're going to shut down digital assets, we're going to shut down blockchain, we're going to shut down Web3 tech, guess what? Uh, legislatures in Brazil, in Saudi Arabia, in China, 
in India, they're continuing to move forward, right? Yep. So the capital is going to flow to those jurisdictions. The innovation is going to flow to those jurisdictions. And the benefits are going to flow to those jurisdictions. So if we are really serious about maintaining uh, our status in the world in terms of having the world reserve currency, being a leader in financial technology, being a, a leader in innovation, we've got to strike a balance and we've got to make sure that we are not forcing innovation and forcing entrepreneurs and forcing capital formation offshore. Well, just in the news in the past week or two, the Saudi has stopped using the dollar uh, for the oil transactions, right? With Brazil, I think you said so. That's right. <clears throat> the, the the BRIC countries are kind of trying to form a coalition right now to, to get away from the petrodollar. And that mm -hmm. is something that we need to take very seriously. Sure. The, you know, <clears throat> I'm a big freedom guy, right? I enjoy liberty and I, and I pretty much love liberty above anything and everything else, because if I'm free, everything else works itself out. Now <clears throat> we love, we love, when I say we, we're talking about Americans. We love to talk about the land of free and, uh, and all this stuff, but you're going to have to at some point accept that, uh, allowing entrenched bureaucracies and, uh, and establishment firms to drive us away from technology that is leading to the fr freedom of all of humanity, not just Americans, not just Chinese people, not just Japanese, but human liberty globally. Um, but <clears throat> to Larry's point, talking about the fear um, that, you know, we have a, a media that is hell bent on turning us against one another. Now, of course, they never, they never turn us against the people they should turn us against, but they turn us against one another based on nationality or sexuality or gender or whatever it is. It's always something that they're trying to trigger us and get us distracted from what's going on. And what I see now is that we've really got to stop allowing ourselves to be so easily triggered and easily distracted by beer cans for the love of God. <laughs> um, and turn, turn off the television. I, there's one thing I, and I will bless his heart. Al Gore years ago when I was a kid, uh, they were trying to, I think they were trying to outlaw, uh, wrestling like professional wrestling. <laughs> it was too violent. And Al Gore out of the mouth of babes, he goes, um, y'all realize that television's got an on off switch, right? If you don't like it, you just turn it off. You know, you, and I thought, Thank you, Al Gore, of all people. Really? Probably the turn most profound off, thing he ever said. <clears throat> well, it went downhill from there. Yeah. Um, turn off the television, okay? And pick up a book, preferably one on Austrian economics, <laughs> <clears throat> preferably some history books. Because um, I saw a guy today, a very interesting TikTok, and, and he said, look, this is not, um, this is a new time and a new age. We've not been down this road before. It's a very exciting time to be alive because I, I saw this great meme. And it was like, Hey, it's like the collapse of the Roman empire, but with Wi-Fi." And it kind of is, but this end of the age is very different from any other end of a, of, of an empire or, or a system that has come to an end. This one's very different. 
And, and this one is something to look forward to, but you, you have, we have to overcome some economic illiteracy. And sometimes it's hard to say, right. I, I don't know, you know, I, I don't know, or, or I've been taught wrong. I've been given bad information that benefits someone else. Um, but we've really got to take the time here to, to open a book and first say, I'm smart enough to figure this out, even though I've been told my whole life, listen, citizen, just trust us. You don't, you don't, you don't need to understand all this stuff. Just trust us. We'll take care of it all. No, 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 no. Don't do that. Right. Um, it, it's uh, some purple Yeti, but what if I'm a Keynesian? Jump off a bridge if you're a Keynesian. Okay. That's what I want you to do. <clears throat> yeah. And I mean, to, to your point, Chris, a lot of this stuff is not taught in schools, right? Nope. Most of it's <laughs> not taught in schools. There's probably a reason for that. Uh, but, you know, in, in the United States in particular, we've been very insulated over the years. Like a lot of people don't realize that something like 75% of people in the world are unbanked, right? If they need to move money from one party to another, they're basically going to a payday lender and getting raked over the coals, mm -hmm. right? A lot of people don't realize that in, in most of the third world and many second world countries, when you get your paycheck, you're immediately going to the grocery store to convert that government money into goods mm -hmm. because tomorrow 10% of the value of that money could be inflated away. Mm -hmm. So we've been insulated from a lot of those problems. I think we just got our really uh, big first taste of it, at least in recent decades, right? We, we had all the modern monetary theorists, like all the modern Keynesians, the modern politicians in Washington telling us, Hey, you know, we can print all this money, we can create all the stimulus, we can artificially support the economy. Um, you know, the financialist system is sound, we're not going to see widespread inflation. Whoops. Uh, not so much, right? Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Exactly. And, and now all of a sudden, you know, it's like, uh, it's, you know, $18 to, to get a meal at McDonald's in, in Connecticut, right? That's real. Um, and, and that hurts our, our poorest mm -hmm. communities the most, yep. right? Uh, Middle-class America, inflation hurts, but it's like manageable. Um, you know, folks that, you know, are, 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 are really making this economy work, folks that are, you know, every day going to work in the supply chain, going to work in the transportation industry, like 6 to 12% annualized inflation is crushing, yep. right? That's like all their discretionary income. So we've, we've gotten a real taste of it here in the last couple of years. And uh, if we don't get our house in order, uh, it, it could get worse. And I'm, I'm a big, you know, <clears throat> disobedience is pretty much all we have left because the, the political process has nothing to offer us. And, and as I'm seeing people in the trucking community, especially over the last month or two, they're screaming for transparency. And my question is to them, okay, well, who's going to do it? Who's going to give you this transparency that you so desperately desire? Is it going to be the same people that gave us ELDs for the benefit of corporations? Is it going to be the same people that gave us emissions controls for the benefit of corporations? Is it people that, that gave us NAFTA? Is it the people that are giving us autonomous vehicles, electrification? Are those the people that you want to fix your problem? You know, and, and I'm going, no. So what do we do? Well, we're disobedient. We don't drive new trucks. 
um, you know, when we buy trucks, we buy pre-emission um, trucks that are illegal in California. We um, we just don't participate. You know, I didn't participate in the entire pandemic. You know, I just made the decision. No, I'm not going to do it. So I ignored every mandate and every rule set down in 33 states for the entire time. I just said no. And guess what? Nothing happened. Nothing happened except that I was free. And so if you're, if you're a, a, if you're an independent owner operator right now and you see the broker as your enemy, well, you're going to have to examine number one, is it me? Am I the problem? Do I not know how to negotiate? Do I not know my cost per mile or do I need to be leased to a carrier right now? Because a carrier can help insulate me from those things as it's, very clearly doing with us right now. Our contract freight's keeping us going. We're still pulling a few loads here and there off of the spot market, but you know, we're 95% contract freight right now. And if right. you don't have that contract freight, yeah, somebody's going to offer you $2,500 to go across the country. Well, you're going to have to say no. And you should have been stacking up cash in the most inflated uh, rate environment in the history of the trucking industry. Y'all should be sitting on enough money that if you did want to park it and go home, I'll take my ball and go home. Well, you should have the money, but they don't because they spent it all or they didn't work hard well, enough. It didn't work. They slowed down. That's the big problem yep. that we think Larry calls it. The retirement plan is <clears throat> rates were up here. Oh, hell. I only have to work 25% of what I did last year to make the same money. Well, now here you are. What you going to do now? Because now the rates are not going to support your $250,000 truck. They're not going to support your $1,200 a week lease payment. It's not going to happen. And right. nobody's coming to save you. And it sure as hell is nobody in the U.S. Congress. You know, it, 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 it just dawned on me. A few years ago, there was a demand for transparency. Mm -hmm. Okay. The, the, the uh, powers that be, the FMCSA, the CVSA, the DOT, they demanded that truck drivers be transparent with their logs. Mm -hmm. They demanded it. Sure did. How'd they fix that? All right. Now, <laughs> these guys are asking for the same thing right now, you know? Yep. How do you think that's going to get resolved? What's going to be the resolution there, you know? Well, and I, I think you guys both make a great point that, uh, you know, the the focus, the target is on the wrong party. Right. I mean, because even if you get full transparency from brokerages, right, I you know, I'm I'm a three truck operator. I want to know what these brokers are making because I want to see, you know, what kind of vig they're getting between what, you know, the truck rate is and, and what they're being paid from the shipper. I mean, transparency doesn't give you privity of contract. Mm -hmm transparency doesn't give you an opportunity to, to share in the difference. Right. But what does allow you to recapture net revenue is eliminating a bank or a factoring company that's killing you, mm -hmm. settling all your invoices, right? right. Most, most one truck operators that are running, you know, three loads a week doing $250,000 a year in gross volume, they're paying somewhere in a normal factoring agreement they're losing somewhere between 15, 15 and $20,000 a year in net revenue. That's not gross revenue. Right. That's what's left over for the truck driver at the end of the year, right? So, so do you want to go recapture that money, which you can do 
settling your invoices with TruckOneSwap? Or do you want to, you know, lobby Washington, D.C. for transparency uh, on a contract that even if you get to see it, you're not going to be able to to be privy to the transaction and and share in the revenue? Right. Well, and the, and the big problem that they're missing, and Anique did a great job of this on one of her TikToks. She basically, she basically told them it was another damn business. But what she said was, you are subject to a contract that you are not a party to. It's right. none of your business right. what she charges the shipper, period. And the <clears throat> y'all don't want to hear this, but they're not going, even if, even if they could wave some magic wand and cast a spell that you want them to, they're not going to be able to upend contract law, period. You don't have a right to see a contract you are not party to. Now, if out of the goodness of their hearts, they somehow want to say, um, okay, well, here, we'll show you, and we're making you know, 10 cents on the dollar, whatever it is. I mean, the average by every metric I've ever seen is 15% across the board. But like you said, you guys are so distracted. Number one, you've created a boogeyman uh, in that the broker's keeping 50% of the rate, which is just nonsense. No shipper is going to allow that for very long. Could yeah. it happen? Sure. But like I see it with fuel prices, right? We'll watch fuel prices. I'll know when they're getting ready to tick up because our, our discount shrinks. And it'll go up and our discount will go down to 10 cents a gallon. And then all of a sudden, boom, it goes to a dollar. Well, I know that it's getting ready to, it's getting ready to fall out the other side and come down, which it, which it has from $6 down to in the upper threes for us right now. Um, but you are not going to get the U.S. Congress to override decades long, centuries long contract law. It's not going to happen. No. Now, oh, well, the, just cap them. Okay. So let's say that the Congress, or it's not, hell, it's not even the Congress. That's the stupid thing is these morons don't even understand eighth grade civics. You want the, you want an unelected, <laughs> You want an unelected body in the Federal Motor Care Safety Administration to blatantly violate the Constitution. Um, for all you constitutional conservatives, you want them to shred the Constitution into little pieces because it benefits you. To force a contract on someone, but you don't think that that's never going to get forced on you? When you're giving the unelected body unconstitutional power because you think it benefits, like it just, there's lot, there's no logic and there's no common sense in this, and that's that's where it all falls apart for me. So when they say, "Oh, you support the brokers," no, what I support is a free market, and a free market allows me to go out and make voluntary transactions with people that benefit the both of us, and the terms of that contract are none of your damn business. Period. End of story. Yeah, and I mean to. Yeah, to put a little meat on that bone, to put some numbers on it, right? Why why chase 15% in a contract that you don't have any privity to when you can go recapture 25 to 35%, you know, in, in the factoring agreement that you're stuck in, right? Um, that you, you know, that, that you that freely choose. Mm -hmm. Right. You you do have some power over right. that, right? right. You, can, you can fire your factoring company. You can you can fire your bank. 
Um, but you're you're right. Um, we we do have rule of law in this country, and uh, nobody is going to upend the common law of contracts. Right. It's just not happening. <laughs> no, goes no. back a little farther than our constitution, too. By the way, <laughs> yeah, it goes it way back to like fourteen something, didn't it? Yeah. I mean, you could pr- you could probably take it all the way to back Greek, to, like to Greek, yeah, 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 code, yeah, yeah, right? yeah, 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 exactly. Well, <clears throat> and I, I, I have empathy because I was one. Okay, number one, um, I was a government school graduate, nineteen ninety four, right? Um, and I entered this industry in nineteen ninety seven, and I didn't know shit. And I found out really, really fast how much I didn't know. And then curiosity drove me um, over over the over the next twelve or thirteen years um, to begin to learn because I was curious. And the curiosity was okay. Well, how does that work? Um, and I knew the answer wasn't on the news, and I knew the answer wasn't on talk radio. The answer was 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 in study and in time and talking to people that had real experience in something, not some oh I'm an expert because that thing on the wall says I am. So. We, we have to, we have this very uncomfortable situation where the industry is taking advantage of people that are economically illiterate, that are not prepared by their education. Uh, they can't not, even if they would read the contract, which they won't, but they can't understand it. They, 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 they have absolutely, I certainly did not. So I'm not talking about anybody but myself. Coming out of high school, I could not read a legal document. It just looked like a bunch of gobbledygook to me. And so I'm not going to understand the way that is. I do now, but and it's taken a lot of practice. But the fact that we'll see people in Landstar groups, Facebook groups, well, I didn't read the contract. I don't have time to read the contract. Really? And then when they don't understand the terms of the contract that they signed, now they're angry and they're righteously angry, but you didn't even bother to read the contract. That, and, and so should the, like uh, FMCSA is going to do something about uh, truck leasing. Oh God, help us. I can't wait to hear their solution for that. They've got a, a task force or got something. A task force. Yes. Oh God. I wish I could be on that task force. Oh, well, did you, and the list of names. Yeah, oh my so, God. Yeah. The list of names on there. Um, it should, it should be like, it, it should be like Friday the 13th. It's such a horror show. You should be terrified by reading the li- the names of the people that are on that list. Um, cause they're sure as hell not people that's going to help truck drivers. Okay. Did you, did you say horror? Is that what you said? Horror. Sorry. Okay. Uh, I thought maybe it was a different kind of show. Well, listen, but what they're doing <laughs> to these truck drivers, it ain't much different. So, yeah. <clears throat> oh, here, Jared's got a question. Since the ledger is public, and if you know the public keys of parties of these freight contracts, are the contract price terms technically visible? So I guess with truck coin swap, like yeah, that's that's go ahead. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a really good question. Um, the no, none of the contracts are placed on the ledger, right? The only thing that um, because we are we're a settlement company, right? Okay. So we are. Uh, we're managing settlement with the carrier and then like a, uh, a bank or a factoring company would, we take assignment or collection rights in the accounts receivable. And if, if the shipper pays on 90 day terms, then we wait 90 days. 
to get the cash sent to us. So what is on the ledger, what is uh, transparent is uh, the movement of value. Okay. Uh, that that's the that's that's the only thing that's available. So you know, uh, we talked a lot actually on this call about privity of contract. You don't have any um, you know contractual relationships that are going to be uh, discoverable or disclosed on the contract. Just that movement of value between parties. Now, are are we? Is there another phase? Do you think that we where we will actually have the contracts like ed, like uh, execute a smart contract, geofences and all that, where you know you show up where you're supposed to be and and you get paid? Are, are, is that like another layer? Yeah, I do think we're going to get to a place in the industry where we've got a digitization of all freight documents, specifically you know BOLs and PODs. The problem is you need a lot of consensus to get there, right? You need consensus from, you know, thousands of shippers to kind of get a uniform technology that works. And I do think blockchain will will be a piece of that. Um, I, I don't know if we're going to get there in our lifetime, because, again, you you know, it's it's private industry, right? Um, you know, could, could we have a top-down change administrated from DOT or FMCSA or Congress? I mean, I mean, maybe. But I do think we will eventually get to a place where all of these contracts are, quote unquote, on the chain. Well, I know ProMiles is is working on something like that, where um, I, I had Tony Stronchek on a few weeks ago, and he was talking about how they, they want this digitization of all of the documents, uh, of the bills of lading, the permits and all that stuff. And, and I said, well, listen, my, my friend, the civil rights attorney would cave my head in if I ever handed my unlocked phone to a cop. Right. So that's not going to happen. He was like, no, 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 no. It's a QR code. You know, you hold the phone up. They scan the QR code. And I'm like, OK, well, I mean, we're talking about a massive centralized database right. of some sort. Now, if ProMiles does it, I'm a hell of a lot more OK with it, with it if they do it than if the government does it. You know, because number one, if the government does it, it's going to twi cost twice as much and ha work half as much, you know. Right. Um, but if someone like ProMiles could create the, what well, uh, that was the word that you just used, consensus versus centralization. Because right. we, what we've learned or what we should have learned over the last three years is that centralization is a problem when there's too much power. And the best example of that was all the social media companies just zapping people for saying the wrong thing. Uh, oh, what that wasn't approved. Pfft, you're gone. Well, that centralized power is a problem. Right. But, you know, that's why I'm wondering if, if we can weave blockchain into some sort of centralized transportation management system. I mean, I'm thinking that if, if somebody got the right idea, it could happen really fast um you know i don't know I, I i don't think the ltl market is going to survive the next five years 10 years maybe um they're way too expensive uh they're way too inefficient um you know we're putting stuff in trucks in, in 53 foot trailers that could fit in a cargo van you know mm -hmm. it, it, the somehow we have got to fix the problem of not knowing where the capacity is 
and how much the capacity is where if something would fit in a cargo van, we'll put it in a damn cargo van versus all of the inefficiency. I literally hauled a copying machine on a 53 foot trailer one time, mm-hmm. a copier, yeah, you know, like fits yeah. in your office on a 53 foot trailer, you know, it was, and I drove it like 2,500 miles and they paid me some exorbitant. And I'm like, why is somebody not putting this in the back of a car of a minivan? And you know, right. but no, let's bring in a 53 foot damn trail. It's, it was stupid. And that stuff's happening every single day. I would like to, I would like to believe that we can get to a place where, are you familiar with freight waves? Oh okay. yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we, we were at the freight waves conference in November. So, you know, there's sonar, stuff and uh, and I was down there for a conversation a few years ago and this article had come out and I realized where it had come from this and this was probably 20 before I came to Larry so it was like late 17 um and, and they said well we know who is wasting the most driver's time right they had this list uh that was published at, based on ELD right. data cuz now all the trucks have ELDs in them and so we can track all this data and um so when I was down there at freight waves, I was talking to the chief nerd statistic guy and, uh, he's like, listen, man, I, I can't, I can not only tell you the name of the company, I can give you the address. And I'm like, mm-hmm. really? So up to this point, when we're forecasting the future, we have to look behind us. Right. You know, and you have to do this in any business. If you're in pizzas, Okay, well, how many how many pizzas did we sell this time last year? And now I'm going to forecast my food order based on what I did a year ago. I wonder if blockchain gives us the ability to get as close to real time as possible to know where capacity is so that we can match it up more efficiently that someone doesn't have to deadhead. You know, two trucks could be 50 miles apart, could deadhead and pass each other to go to get to loads that either one of them didn't know existed, but because this truck was in one centralized system and this one was in another one, they had to pass each other. Whereas if they would have just been aware that the load was there and the load had been aware that the truck was there, they could have went, well, there's a guy right there, like two blocks away. Let me just put it on his trailer instead of dead, some deadheading somebody 50 or hundred or 150 miles. So that, yeah. And I mean, a, a, you know, kind of a corollary to that. We still have truck drivers delivering loads, driving to truck stops, putting their PODs in mailboxes at truck stops, mailing them across the country. Then it goes to somebody who writes a check in 30 to 60 days. And then that check goes to a bank. And then we have two or three banks that have to reconcile the transaction. I mean, it's such an antiquated system. Um, and, and even if we and I, I do think we'll probably get to a point where we have, you know, where the tech provides maximum efficiencies in terms of capacity. I, I think we'll, we'll get there. We'll see that in our lifetimes. But, you know, the, the, the problem that truck coin swap solves doesn't change. Right. Mm-hmm. Because if a shipper can pay on 90 day terms or 180 day terms, we've still got a trade finance problem, no matter how quickly the POD got signed. Right. No matter, you know, how quickly everybody got the freight docs, right? Uh, so we've, we've still got a lot of progress to make in the industry. But like I said, it, it really is an exciting time uh, because there's so much innovate. You know, I think there's been a lot of, you know, we have the term freight tech. 
Uh, I would argue there's been a lot of faux tech that's come into the market for the last couple of years. It, it was tech parading as innovation that really wasn't because, you know, uh, and uh, we were talking a little bit before the show about digital brokerages and matching services. And I don't want to disparage any of those companies. Like there are some great people at those companies, but a lot of those business and revenue models have been iterated into creating broker agency uh, companies and, and factoring, right? A lot of those companies are now factoring. And I would argue that's because the original value proposition of using all of this amazing tech to match, you know, shippers to capacity, um, maybe it wasn't quite as monetizable as, as everybody thought. Mm -hmm. uh, but we do have some real tech coming into the market now, and it's, it's, it's really exciting. I'm, here's a question. So if the shipper, well, let's say truck coin swap, the shipper is agreeing uh, to run the transaction with truck coin swap where everybody can get paid faster and cheaper. Are the ship, do you think the shippers are aware of the amount of loss between them stroking the check and getting it to the truck? Like all of the factoring, uh, are the shippers aware of that inefficiency and does truck coin swap have, do you have the ability to say, Hey shipper, look at all of this 25 or 30% loss. If you run it through us, maybe we can lower your bill because they're still paying it, which means all of us are paying it at the consumer level. We really are. Yeah. And, 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 and that is the issue, right? The, the legacy shipping companies are, are not going to change anything because they benefit. Right. If again, if, if annualized and let's just say annualized inflation is 12 percent to keep it simple. Mm -hmm. OK, so one percent a month. If I can pay you on net 180 terms and I don't have to pay if uh, I don't have to pay an invoice for six months, I'm, I'm getting a six percent value mm -hmm. in waiting six months to pay. You, mm -hmm. Right. So so I don't have any benefit or any financial incentive to change anything. Right. right. So, so that that's why the value proposition is there for you know trucking companies and 3PLs and brokerages because they don't have to wait anymore. If they want to get to cash in three days, if they want to if they want to see a return of a hundred cents on the dollar on their invoices, they can get that at TruckCoin Swap, and it's because of digital assets and blockchain technology. But are you are you still having to wait ninety days for them to pay you? We are. Okay. We absolutely so are. So you 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 are factoring to an extent. You're doing the same kind of thing. Here's your money today, but we're not getting paid until later. But at a much, but but a much smaller rate. We're, <laughs> right. We're absorbing the cost though, these these twenty-five to thirty-five percent annualized interest rates. Um, we're absorbing the costs that brokerages, three PLs, and carriers would otherwise pay for factoring, okay. right? We're able to get them to cash in three days. They see a hundred percent return on their invoice values. They're on to the next load, and then we wait ninety days for a net ninety shipper to to ACH a payment or cut a check. Mm -hmm. That does you can't do that with fiat currency because if I'm a bank or a factoring company, I'm advancing you U.S. dollars. Mm, okay. I have a I have right. a I have a carrying right, cost right. associated with that money. Uh, when you're able to, and I know that this is kind of like, you know, third layer of the onion, but when you're able to use what's called a, um, um, it, it, in the blockchain space, it's referred to as a synthetic commodity, right? When you're able to use a synthetic commodity like a digital asset, 
you can actually solve that problem where truck coin swap is able to absorb those costs for the market without actually taking a loss. And it's it's a little bit complex, but the underlying point is you can only do it with blockchain and Web3 tech. And for, for carriers, yes, it is new innovation. Yes, it's new technology. But, you know, I love to give the example. If you go to Starbucks and buy, you know, a Frappuccino, nobody's the barista isn't asking you, like, how do you want to settle that transaction? You want a wire? You want an ACH? You want a PayPal? You want a Venmo? Nobody really cares how that transaction is getting settled because I'm paying X to consume a Frappuccino, right? Our proprietary mobile and web app works the exact same way. What's happening on the back end, what's happening in the back of the kitchen with respect to blockchain and Web3 doesn't really matter because for our customer, for our user, they're able to get back to U.S. dollars and, and get their cash in you know three to four business days. They're on to their next load and they've recaptured 100% of the value of that invoice in the process. So does the shipper have to ag agree for this? Um, okay. I guess let's say I'm a single truck owner operator. I've got my own authority right now. I have contracted a broker or, or, or does this have to be a direct shipper relationship? It can be either. It can be either. Okay. How do I insert truck coin swap into this, in, into this transaction? Right. So if it's uh, it, let's say it's a bank or a factoring company, right, they're going to have what's called a notice of assignment. Uh, that's it. Let's say you're you're the carrier. Right. So you're going to give me the bank or factoring company a notice of assignment, which says that um, once that invoice is purchased. Right. Once I advance you dollars, I'm going to advance you 96 cents on the dollar. I'm going to charge you four percent of gross. But once I advance you dollars, I have the uh, assignment or collection rights in that invoice okay. from the shipper. You're really no longer in the transaction, right? Okay. The shipper now, I'm, I'm now the creditor and the shipper is the debtor. Yeah. So our model is very similar. So if you settle at, at truck point swap, if we buy an invoice, we get you settled. In three to five days, you're on to the next load. We now have a notice of assignment and collection rights in that underlying receivable, that freight invoice. And we collect it directly from the shipper. So everything that we're doing, there's a, a blockchain and, and digital asset iteration on top of it. But we're in no way reinventing the wheel. We're just improving upon the existing models that are there from from a contracts and, and privity of contracts. And so the, the, the key is you're able to do it so inexpensively because of the coin because or the token, exactly. uh, the token. Right. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Um, now, what happens if you don't get paid? If we don't get paid, we have the same type of recourse. Well, I shouldn't say it's the same type of recourse rights. I don't know if you guys have ever seen a factoring agreement. These things are typically 10 to 20 pages. OK, you have to sign a personal guarantee. There's a UCC lien filing on your business, typically, that gets filed in the state that you're incorporated in. They're cross collaterally cross-collateralizing your business assets. They're cross-collateralizing your existing payables and your future payables. I mean, this is really draconian stuff. Mm -hmm. And then on top of it, they're charging you a 25 to 35% annualized interest rate hey. to advance you debt, to advance you debt, right? right. To advance you fiat and, and they require exclusivity, don't they? They also require exclusivity. That's right. If you sign a factoring agreement, you have to send them all of your freight invoices. Exactly. 
right? So we don't do any of those things. We don't require exclusivity. If you want to dip your toes, if you want to try it and settle one invoice with TCS, you can. If you want to move all your freight invoices to TCS, you can. We don't require UCC lien filings. We don't collateralize or cross-collateralize business assets. You don't have to collateralize your children uh, or your home or, or anything else, right? But we do have recourse rights. So, so let's say it's a $10,000 freight receivable. There's an OS&D issue. There's some kind of claim, right? And the, and the shipper short pays by 10%, right? They pay out $9,000. We do need to square that additional $1,000 loss with, with our carrier. And, it, it, and what we would probably do in that instance is we would say, hey, on the next 10 loads, uh, let's you know claw back $100 on each load. Let's square that $1,000 loss on the short pay claim, and then we move forward. So there's there's ways to reconcile that with all out all of this you know draconian legal stuff. I mean it is it's it's real. Some of these contracts are just absolutely horrible. Have, have you ever have you ever had a, a broker or or whatever not agree to the uh, buy the selling of the paper to you guys <clears throat> from a carrier? No. No, no, because once you have that notice of assignment, right, uh, the shipper is in, in our industry and really in all industries and, and factoring and trade finance is a thing in almost all industries, mm -hmm. right, at, at various levels. It just ha happens to be systemic and a huge macro problem in transportation, right. specifically full truckload. Right. But once you have that notice of assignment that says, hey, shipper, you have to pay this party for the transaction, the shipper has a contractual obligation to pay that party. Okay. So, right. So it sounds to me like your choices are either wait for the check yourself, no factoring, no truck coin right. swap, be able to be able to operate for 90 days until you get paid, do your own right. billing, do traditional factoring where you're at risk. Well, you're either at risk to have it come back. Uh, and lose probably 25% or lose 25% and then some for a non-recourse factoring. Um, so you don't have to worry about it come back on you, but they're going to keep a bigger piece of your, of your freight bill. Does that pretty much summarize it? Yeah, there are, there are some companies out there now that are, you know, saying that, um, you know, they, they won't claw back, uh, losses or they won't collateralize certain things, but you're right. There's typically some kind of big involved, right? I, I, there's one company out on the Pacific coast that is saying, Hey, we're offering free factoring, but you have to use their fuel card mm -hmm. and they charge you these egregious interest rates on the fuel purchases. And it's $1,300 to fill up a truck with diesel. So there are about 40 to 50 of these factoring companies in, in the United States. They're all doing pretty much the same thing. Um, and, you know, I have yet to run into in 10 years, I have yet to run into anybody in this industry that would refer their factoring company to you. Right. Because <laughs> on top of all of these fees and all these draconian legal agreements, the service sucks. Mm -hmm. Right. So so you're right. There there are like there were two options until truck coin swap came to market. And now there are three. And we happen to think that that our model's pretty good. So we do have listeners that aren't Landstar drivers, so they, they do have the ability to be a customer of yours. Tell people how to do business with you, Todd. <clears throat> yeah, the, uh, the, the, the best place to find us is at truckcoinswap.com. Uh, in addition to just kind of having a, 
uh, a website and a registration page for carriers. There's a ton of content about the company, about our mission, uh, why we're doing this, why we're looking to disintermediate these problems. Uh, Truck Coin Swap also has its own podcast. So we've got a lot of great discussions on these subjects about financial literacy and about recapturing revenue and, and how transportation companies can do that. So uh, check us out. So I, I kind of feel like the big picture here, okay, if, if we can boil it down to this, the last five minutes to me has shown that here is an option that is made available through uh, Web 3.0 and blockchain decentralization that can radically change your ability to get paid if you are a uh, a carrier. One truck, 10 trucks, 500 trucks, okay? This right. can radically change uh, how safely you can get paid and how efficiently you can get paid without giving away unnecessary hard-earned dollars um, th- through a simple transaction. So here's what I there here's the big picture I would like everybody to think about. If you'll take that little sliver and look around you and apply that to everything. Insurance, finance, anything and everything that you see around you can be uh, uh, radically transformed through this technology. We, we've already got decentralized finance. I mean, it's happening. It's like this parallel highway to the traditional system. That, to me, it's like we're not looking around and going, boy, look at that problem. I wish there was a solution. No, it's like it's here. It literally already exists and has since 2008. Please do yourself the favor of going and reading the Bitcoin white paper. It's not long. It's not complicated. It's not like a big legal document. It's pretty short. And it lays out the case, which started, you know, the history of it. Think about what was happening in 2008. All of the nonsense mm-hmm. around the housing market. Um, and and it, was, it was government intervention into a market, uh, 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 signing people up for houses that they didn't need to be buying, uh, uh, uh credit swaps and, and bad mortgages. And, but I mean, it was just a nightmare and whoever Satoshi Nakamoto is, or they, you know, nobody knows deal with it. Um, but for whatever reason, they said, look, here's a way to change this process to make it better and safer and more efficient for two people to agree and trade value. That's it. It's all about trading value. And one of the big things that we preach on this podcast is if you will focus your energy and attention on others and build value for them, do something that makes their life better, do something that makes their life easier, it's going to come around to you. It can't help but not come around. But you, if, but if you are selfish, if you are greedy, if you are ignorant, if you are only so focused on yourself with that access to the universe you've got running through the top of your precious little head, I can't help you. There's no help for you. You know, 
Um, so I, I'm just, I can't, I can't push the fast forward button to make this happen faster, but all we can do is educate each other and ourselves. Um, so let, let's try to preview cause we, you know, there's obviously there's more people than you and we've had the conversations about other people. Why don't you give us a little preview of some of the conversations that are going to be coming down the road, uh, especially what's the guy in New Jersey? Uh, is it Jersey or New York? Dominic. Yeah. Tell us a little, give us a little yeah, teaser. So, yeah. So, so I'll give you, I'll give you a couple. Dominic is a, uh, is a TCS advisor. Uh, his family's been in the trucking industry for like 70 years. They're in the fuel business. I think they've got seven trucks in their fleet. And Dom's headquarters is literally a truck stop on the New Jersey Turnpike. Uh, but he is a uh, he's a blockchain native guy. He's a digital asset guy. And when he heard about truck coin swap, he literally called us and said, how can I get involved? Like, I mean, this is exactly what the industry needs. I want to do anything I can. So Dom is now the host of uh, the Truck Point Swap podcast, and he's a very valued advisor because, I mean, on any given day, he's got about 70 trucks uh, sitting right outside of his office. So he's he's a savvy industry vet, and uh, he'll, he'll bring a lot of great, uh, great dialogue to the conversation. Uh, we've got a number of great team members, um, and, and another that I would just want to highlight really quickly. I know Dr. Jimmy Lenz is probably going to want to talk to you guys. Uh, Jimmy is the director of the FinTech Engineering Program at Duke University. He has a 30-year background in high finance. Uh, he, he worked for some of the largest banks uh, that you guys know. And I mean, he was solving like macro problems for some of these banks on the trading floor. Uh, when he found out about Truck Coin Swap, he said, this is exactly the use case that I've been looking for. Uh, how do I get involved? And Jimmy is now a partner in the business. So we've got some really fantastic people involved, including, you know, two professors from the University of Wyoming. And uh, I, everybody's thrilled to kind of uh, hop on this forum that the two of you have provided and talk more about the solution, because you're right, Chris, it really is about education. Um, in 2017, I'm working in the trucking industry. I didn't know a damn thing about Web3, blockchain or digital assets. Uh, but I was like, what is this Bitcoin thing? So I started researching it. And, you know, here, six years later, here we are, you know, settling the world's first freight invoice on the blockchain. So, um, you know, it's, it's about, you know, creating consensus and it's about education. But it's, it's great that, you know, you have forums like this that, that can help get everybody up to speed. Uh, more quickly. I need somebody to invent that time machine so I can go back to 2012 and buy those 300 bitcoins I was going to get when they were $2 a piece. I missed that too. <sighs> Man. Are you I I, this close? Too. Are you publicly <laughs> Are you publicly traded? We're not publicly traded. We're we're privately owned. Um sometime we're going to get off in the in in into the rabbit hole of what decentralized finance looks like on a stock market level, but we're not going to do that right now, but someday, you know, um, you know, I'm, I'm, we've held, we've held the same 40 guys, people all night tonight. That, I'm kind of surprised at that. So mm -hmm. that's a that's credit great. to you, uh, Todd, more than us, I'm sure. So, well, you <laughs> should cut, you know, you should, we're having a live event in August. You should come and drink some bourbon and, and uh, then we could have the really crazy conversations about where blockchain is going to head. We could give you, close. We could give you the night session Saturday night. And you could just, you could just go. So, 
That'd be great. We'll we'll talk to you about the details. Awesome. Um, Uncle Ben says, "Wonder what Satoshi Nakamoto's thinking about these days." Uh, <laughs> we, unless it was Steve Jobs, you know, um, you know, I, I mean, it's one of those fascinating things because I saw one time that somebody was like, "Oh, it was." It was this person from Sony and this person from Motorola and because they took the name Satoshi, you know, and, you know, it was all these, you know, Japanese people or whatever. But um, I mean, we'll, we'll probably never know. Uh, supposedly, there's a wallet of that has so many bitcoins in it that Satoshi has. So I don't know. Maybe maybe someday and the and the, the dollar has collapsed and gone away and you know, Bitcoin stands against precious metals as the, as the world index, Satoshi's going to come up and be like, Hey y'all, here I am, you know, <laughs> and it'll end up being Donald Trump. <laughs> God help me. Listen, that I, I, it's, it's probably not Donald Trump, but I have heard that he's got like uh, an <laughs> NFT project now. So I, I don't know anything about well, listen, it. But, every, uh, every teenager on TikTok's got an NFT um, well, real quick, one thing about NFTs, NFT is a non-fungible token. Okay. Right. Now, sidebar, what, what I want y'all to do is I want you to go to YouTube. There's a series by a guy named Mike Maloney called the, oh God, the hit, the hidden secrets of money and currency or something like that. The, the title sounds terrible, but trust me. It's a great education on the history of money and currency. What's money? What's currency? Fungible, non-fungible, yada, yada. It will help you. Yeah, and Chris, if I can just add, I, I think Mike Maloney's a Robert Kiyosaki guy. Um, if anybody really just, you know, doesn't want to just jump straight into the rabbit hole on digital assets and those types of things, the Robert Kiyosaki books are absolutely fantastic in terms of getting a baseline you know, financial education, understanding yeah. how all this stuff works and why we're all being taxed to death. Yeah. Right. Uh, Rich dad, so that's, poor that's dad is, should be required reading. Um, absolutely. But, but, but absolutely. Mike does this fantastic job in this series because he gets from the origin of money up through fractional reserve banking and he, and he puts it, right. there's lots of good uh, graphics. It's well done. He does a fantastic job. Um, of course, I guess you should go read the the uh, the creature. What's it? Creature of Jekyll, uh, Jekyll Island. Creature of Jekyll yeah. Island. Uh, yeah. God, what's his name? Yep. What's his name? Uh, Edward Griffin. G. Edward Griffin. Yeah. Yep. Um. Uh. But anyway, so NFTs. Do you think NFTs have a role in freight somewhere, or is that too bridge too far? I think they might. Now we're in the we're in the fungible token space, right? right? Because we're a uh, we're a digital asset, we're a digital currency. Um, I I do think there might be some use cases orbiting one of the things that we talked about earlier, and that is things like PODs, right? Mm -hmm. um, could could a POD become a non fungible token and then move seamlessly uh, between counterparties in the supply chain? I I think interesting now. I'll be honest, I think we're probably years away from that. Uh, and a lot of the problems that, you know, a lot of builders and developers in this space have is they're just too early. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, but but I, I do think we'll, we'll probably see some applications. If you would have asked me in January or hell, uh, let's go to late February 2020. If you would have said, how long is it going to take for the global financial system to 
to to move over to blockchain, I'd have said 25 years. Now I give it 36 months <clears throat> because there were things that happened and things that that people did and moves that were made that um, I, I think if you look back through history with great innovation, especially um, uh, not destructive, God, the, the disruptive, disruptive technology, perfect example right here. This started in a garage, right? Two kids in a garage in 1980 has radically changed the world. They didn't turn, they didn't start out to radically change the world. Okay. But that's what ended up happening. I think through 2020, 21, 22, I think there were a lot of humans that had little ideas in the back of their head up to that point that went, well, you know, that would be cool, but there's no need for it. And then 2020 happens and all of a sudden, oh, there's a need for it. And so I think that this acceleration could come. And you, you talked about the third and second world. You know, the third world is ripe for it because they don't have to move away from an established thing like we do because we're all spoiled rotten. We can't live without air conditioning right. and Starbucks. Right. They right. got nothing to worry about. They could, you know, we, we could see Africa and the Middle East become superpowers for, for lack of a better term. I mean, the, the, and that's what, that's what pisses me off about all the people that are distracted and screaming at each other right now. We live in the safest, most prosperous time in all of human history. I wish right. y'all shut up and stop screaming at each other and just look around and go, wow, what an amazing time to be alive, but they're too busy screeching at each other. So anyway, well, I live, <clears throat> or or maybe maybe spending a little time on how do we make it better, right? right? And the uh, the the corollary that I love was the was the advent of electricity, right? You had all these people saying, "What you know?" You you had buildings catching on fire. You had companies taking venture capital and filing bankruptcy. You had rampant fraud. You had a, a lack of regulation. I mean, it was, and people are like, why the hell do we need, you know, electricity running through the city? You know, oil lamps work. Mm -hmm. We've got whale blubber. <laughs> Nobody's driving at night. But nobody thought about air conditioning and refrigerators and small appliances and electric cars. Mm -hmm. Right. But if we hadn't gotten that innovation right, if we hadn't struck that balance, we wouldn't have the quality of life that all of us enjoy today. No, right. Absolutely. And not. so I. I yeah, I think blockchain's kind of very similar to to the advent of electricity in that way. I think the we, we can't even see a lot of the innovation that's right. coming. And, and the 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 sociologists, I cannot wait probably five more years when they go back and study this this time in the last three years when they just when they they just look at it from a distance and go, y'all did what? What 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 were y'all thinking? <laughs> um, right. But, you know, it's always so much easier to look back. And, of course, we've got these we've got these mental giants. And we need to go back to regulation before the Motor Carrier Act of 1980. And I'm, no, God, no. Please, God, no. We don't need to go back to that. Uh, but they, they see someone has told them, well, truck drivers made more money in 1979 under regulation than they do today. Okay, well what was that George Bush talked about fuzzy bath or, or, you know, that, cause that's what that is. You know, it, it's, it's a, 
it's a like fake nostalgia looking back on a time that you didn't even live in. There's a bunch of y'all weren't even alive in 1979. And you've heard your grandpa tell you some bullshit story. Um, so anyway, the, 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 the things that are happening that we won't see the fruits of for another three to five years are, are just, I just makes me tingle thinking about it. Me too. This acceleration thing brings back really bad memories for me. Okay. Because, uh, Todd, you don't know, but I used to be a professional photographer. Okay. And, um, we heard rumors that this, that film was going to be replaced by digital. You know, that started coming out, I don't know, early 2000 flowing there. And, um, you know, we're thinking everybody's saying, yeah, it's going to take 15 years before everybody, you know, before it becomes acceptable. 2007, this changed the world, you know, my yep. world. And, uh, and it only took, you know, less than five years before now. I, I used to walk through trade shows and I would just sarcastically tell these vendors because they're always trying to stick things in your face, you know. So the most, the, 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 the most um, obnoxious ones were the film companies, Kodak and uh, Fuji. And so I would just walk by and go, you know, I don't even use film, you know, being sarcastic. Well, I had little did I know that within five years, I would literally go by and say that I do not use film. Thank you. you know? How much did you pay for that camera? Uh, first digital camera I had was about 30 grand. And, it, and, it's, and wow. it's, it's a fraction of, of this camera. So yeah, that's insane. Wow. That's absolutely insane. Yeah, yeah. we're spoiled, yeah, and, and you know, I'm a professional, so you have to have more than one. So <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> the stories that he's told me about how this system that they had set up, you know, to take the cameras and and then the memory cards and the computers and you know, and it just blows my mind. You know, of course now you just you know you get. Your 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 sister in law's cousin uh, has a has a DSLR and she'll come shoot your wedding for fifty bucks, you know. You know what the ironic thing about it is? Imagine now doing a wedding with a film camera. There is no viewfinder. I mean, there's no way of seeing what the image is. It's it's latent, okay? Until you uh, develop that film and see the picture. So you do the whole wedding, hundreds of images. You have no idea what's in there if there's anything in there or not. We switched to digital, and now we're backing up everything four times before we leave the wedding. All this, uh, all this uh, security that we feel to make sure we have the image. We never had it before, but we made a big deal out of it. <laughs> you know, we take backups after backups after backups. I had laptops everywhere. We're backing up all the images. You know, uh, it's just nuts. It's nuts. Yeah. You think trucking screwed up? You should be in <laughs> photography. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Todd, we appreciate you being here. It's been a, a, a wealth of information. If if you if you're an owner operator and you are um, and and you're factoring, you know, uh, go check out Truck Coin Swap. Uh, well, let me ask. I guess this last question: Have you had any interest shown to you by larger fleets, not not Schneider, but like hundred trucks or five hundred trucks? Are, are they even aware yep. of, of you guys? They are. Um, and I, 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 I do need to clarify. We, we actually will not start settling carriers until next week. So we've been, we've been perfecting the, the mobile and web app and, and building out the infrastructure. We've got a lot of AI stuff that we work on too, with respect to image data capture. Uh, but we're going to start settling carriers next week. 
Um, and uh, we have had some some very large carriers reach out to us. I think the largest one was like 225 trucks. Um, but just to kind of reiterate again, if, if you're a broker that's factoring or you're a carrier at scale that's not factoring, you know, if, if, if you've got long pay terms on your freight, uh, there is a better solution out there than, than waiting to get paid or, you know, paying a, you know, a pound of flesh to a bank or a factory company. We know this fleet has got like 11,000 trucks <laughs> down in Jacksonville. You might ought to talk to them. <clears throat> That's a lot of trucks. The, it's a lot of freight. Well, some, and I think yep. somebody had asked this, um, can you buy Polygon? Yeah, you can uh, you can you can buy the Polygon token on exchanges. Now, the TCS token is a Polygon token, but it's separate from Polygon, right? Okay. So we, we have our own token. Right. And the cool thing about it, and, and you'll appreciate this, Chris, how did Bitcoin come to market? It came and it still comes to market through the work of miners, right? Mm -hmm. Miners bring the Bitcoin supply to market. That's that's how you can buy it, mm -hmm. right? Because somebody mined it. Uh, over at TruckCoinSwap, the only way to buy the TruckCoinSwap, the TCS Polygon token, is to buy it from a carrier who took settlement and is selling to get back to U.S. dollars. Mm. So you can't buy it from us. You can't buy it from anybody else. You've got to support a trucker and support a transportation company and buy it from them. So their efforts, their labor, their acumen is what is bringing our supply cap to market, very similar to Bitcoin. Okay. I like that a lot. Because I, I think yeah. I get that. I know? wondered about that. So now it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we have a story here where my best friend owns a truck that we manage. And he, he made $100,000 in crypto in 2020 and then used that capital to buy the truck. Um, but the reason that he was able to do that is because he we'd been paying attention to this for years. So he was he it, he wasn't he wasn't playing blackjack, you know, he, he, he right. was, he was aware and went, Oh, I see that opportunity. And I see that opportunity and I see that opportunity, but that all came through his own journey of self-education that he was able to right. see an opportunity and go, Oh, let me do that. And that, and that, and then, you know, and he turned it into something. Uh, Dave Ramsey right. says, never ever invest in something you don't understand. So that advice stands here. You need to, Absolutely. You need to invest the personal time, invest in yourself, invest in education, listen to podcasts, read books. Um, you know, I, I will plug the best podcast in the universe here right quick. That's the No Agenda program with Adam Curry. But uh, somebody had mentioned lightning in our comments. Um, are you aware of No Agenda or Adam Curry? I've heard of them. Okay. Yeah. Adam Curry was a VJ back on like Headbangers Ball when I was a kid. Um, now he runs a podcast with John C. Dvorak. Well, Adam was the, he's the pod father. He's the inventor of podcasting. And once upon a time, he was summoned to Steve Jobs' office and Steve wanted to put podcasting in iTunes. So Adam handed him the index, the list of all podcasts. Well, we got to a point in the last two or three years where Apple started deciding who could have a podcast and who couldn't because every podcast that you're listening to, no matter if it's on Spotify or Google, Apple owns the index because Adam gave it to them. Right. So everything right. flows from Apple. Adam decided to create a parallel uh, podcast index that has all of the podcasts plus then more with all these other features and payment features. And you can 
like if the if the Blue Ribbon podcast was on pod, podcasting 2.0 and you liked what we said, you could pay us, you could tip us with Bitcoin on the Lightning Network seamlessly and instantly, and it's completely decentralized, and so there's no central. It, you can't take it down because nobody, I love nobody it. owns uh, the, the 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 space where the podcast lives. Um, and so it, it's just fantastic new tech, uh, like you said, that that's just coming along and nobody's aware of it except for nerds like me. Um, so yeah, it, there's so many things that if you can just grasp onto that little nugget that here is a technology that can take something that exists that's horribly efficient, ridiculously expensive, and make it simple and affordable. That's where we're at. That's right. That's right. All right, man. Well, we appreciate you. We will be having you guys back on over the next few weeks. So uh, you guys go check them out at uh, Truck Coin Swap. Is uh, what's the name of the podcast? Uh, it's just it's the Truck Coin Swap podcast. Okay. If you throw throw that in the we're on you know Apple, Spotify, all the all the forums. Okay, perfect. All right, man. Well, we appreciate you, and we'll be looking forward to talking to you again. All right. Thank you both. Have a great Thanks, weekend. Todd. Thank you. Well, um, hell, I, I understand it better now than I did before, but you know, um, is is the last comment we got from Jared, is that the last comment? No, I'm, I'm, I'm not getting everything. I'm stuck at 5101. Um, really? And the last comment I have is Jared. How can that be? We've had a, we've had a bunch of comments since then. Um, I mean a bunch. Well, if I reboot, it'll go away. So I can't do that. So I don't know what's going on tonight. <clears throat> well, I'll just uh, I'll roll through here. Let me see if I can. We haven't pissed up. anybody off tonight either. So I haven't I haven't seen anybody yet. Um, well, we, most we of the go. people most of the people now, that can we you see did, can you can you see this comment on the screen? I do not. I can't. I okay. can't even see when you put the banner up. All right, I'll read it to you. Most owner operators are pocket watchers. Bottom line, as long as I get what I need to run the load and make a profit margin that's acceptable to me, I don't give a F what anyone else in the equation makes, which is, you know, uh, well, what, that, I tell you what, what, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to fill time. Why don't you just refresh your browser and see if it works and I'll fill time for a couple of minutes. Okay. We'll do. Um, <clears throat> listen, if you guys are, are not, on our TikTok page, you you should be because it is it's pure entertainment gold. Um, you know we're we're trying. I know it seems like, especially with me, that I'm purposefully trying to piss everybody off and make people mad, and I'm really not. But there's a lot of people that I know have that entrepreneurial spirit and desire that they want to do this, but we're trying to get you to understand you can't do it wrong because if you do it wrong, it'll destroy you. Are you back? I'm back, and I now, I now see the comments. Well, okay. Well, listen, reboot fixes everything. Well, um, put up the put up the the uh, Pittsburgh Power banner. Let's see if it shows up. Okay, it does. Okay, there I wasn't go. even getting that before. So okay, perfect. Well, um, now I can see the comments. Never commented on y'all's live, but love seeing Larry Long on the shorts feed, kick-ass crew, and thanks for y'all's time. God. 
You guys are going to get, I might have to hire a security detail to go out in public. Yeah. You want broker transparency? Sure. Give me your physical address and I'll mail you the rate con in 20 to 30 days per the government regulation. <laughs> I, that, that's the thing that kills me is y'all, y'all, y'all hate the government as do I. Okay. I'm not a big fan. Um, but the difference between me and y'all is I don't believe for a second that they have that, that they have the power, uh, that they have the right to fix this problem that, that I really honestly don't think it, um, I, what it's, where is the problem? I don't, I still don't understand the, what is the problem. They think they believe 100%. Now, I mean, like we've said, where was all of this hate and discontent in 21 and 22 when the rates were $5 a mile? There wasn't any. They believe that they should be able to control or cap or see what another business charges for their product and turns right. around and resells it for. Because they believe, I guess, I, I can only assume, uh, of course, they don't use logic because their logic, sh their logic would be when rates were $5 a mile, the broker should have been stealing 50 or 60% of it. And so the rates were actually, the shippers were actually paying $10 a mile and they were only paying us five. Well, before I say this, let me, let me, let me say this first. Number one, I am not a broker. Okay. I have, I, I, I was a truck driver for 12 years. I'm now a fleet owner, have been for 11 of those 12 years. So I'm not a broker, but I'm going to tell you right now, it's none of your all's friggin' business. What the broker makes. It's none of your friggin' business. What the shipper pays. What the, it, it's none of your business. Nope. It's none of their business what you do. Okay. I mean, look, I can haul freight for less than most of you guys, but that's none of your business either. Now we make it our business to tell you how to do it, but most of you ignore it. Right. 9,000, uh, I read today, 9,000 uh, MC numbers have gone away in the past three months. That we know of. That we know of. Yeah. <laughs> You know, Listen, that that would be more. I would be more worried about lowering your cost of doing business than I would be about trying to get somebody else to tell me what theirs is. That's what that's what pissed everybody off about this thing today. Is I said the very same thing. I said, mm -hmm. look, the reason you truck drivers are pissed off is because brokers do a much better job of their business model than you're doing of yours. Yep. And now all of a sudden, because I did that, I'm a shithead. I'm addicted. <laughs> I'm, I'm all this stuff. You know, no nobody can dispute or debate the facts. All they can do is call me names. And accuse me of being a broker, mm -hmm. which I'm not. Well, listen, y'all, 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 y'all get your, uh, get your pen and paper out and I'm going to throw a few resources at you that helped me and I'm sure they will help you. All right. And you can pause and come back and listen to this. First of all, anything by Dr. Thomas E. Woods, anything by Murray Rothbard, um, Bob Murphy, uh, Dr. Bob Murphy is a, he is a podcast. He is a fantastic economist. Uh, there's a book called I pencil was written by Henry Hazlett back in the forties, I think. And it just talks about a pencil and it's such a fantastic economic lesson, uh, using a simple pencil. Um, uh, let's see. I pencil, um, gosh, what's the one I'm thinking of? Well, the law by Frederick Bastiat. Y'all really ought to be reading that. Um, no, I had that wrong. What was who was economics in one lesson? That was Henry Hazlitt. Economics in one lesson. 
and I'm trying to think of who wrote I pencil. It's I letter I comma pencil. Um, somebody said uh, uh, basic economics by Thomas Sowell. I mean, y'all the, the 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 it's all out there, right? You you can you can learn about basic economics. Um, but all of these people, Robert Kiyosaki. Now I'm I'm not I'm not crazy about Kiyosaki's investing ideas. Uh, but his understanding of business, Rich Dad Poor Dad, is fantastic. It's just it's a great, great book. Um, but you know he's all about other people's money and uh, you know risky investing. And I, I'm not I'm not that. Balance Robert Kiyosaki with Dave Ramsey. If you can, if you can balance Kiyosaki with Dave Ramsey, you'll be fine. Um, but y'all really need all these stuffs available. Some of it's free. It's available on audio. It's available on PDF. Uh, PDF. You can get it on Audible. Um, but it will help you. It will finally tune your bullshit detector. That's for that's for sure. Um, especially Tom Woods' politically incorrect guide to American history. That will melt your brain down. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Let me do this. Any updates on Carl? So um, Carl has been in the hospital. He was on a respirator. I, there was a, a good update today um, that they got him kind of, he, he's on a tracheotomy now. Uh, they got him off of the respirator. He was able to actually get in a chair and breathe on his own for a little bit. They're working on the possibility of doing a surgery to help with his breathing, but it sounds like they're not ready to give him the double lung transplant that he needs. So let me pop this. Yeah, put that, put that QR code up. Uh, Cause there was a people that called me last week that didn't see it. It is now so. in our link in bio. So if you go to our TikTok, you go to our Instagram and I'm pretty sure it's on our YouTube channel as well. There's a link in bio. It's called beacons. Um, and, and Carl's GoFundMe is right at the top, but it's also on the screen here and you can scan that. Uh, that GoFundMe there, they need, well, they, they needed 25,000, um, you know, but I'm, they're going to need more because, you know, she's, um, she's trying to take the family medical leave act, I guess, because he's in Cleveland, you know, and she's having to spend a lot of time up there. So they're, they're going to need a ton of financial support to get through here. Cause she can't, she can't leave her job cause she'll lose insurance. And they need the insurance to pay for the anti-rejection drugs if and when he ever gets the double lung transplant. Um, but it's, um, yeah, uh, it, he, he can use all the help that you can give him. Uh, uh, what is this? Henry Albert said it best today. If you got paid $10,000 for a one-day load, you'd be thrilled until you found out the customer paid $20,000. you would all of a sudden be pissed. Well, I, I, I mean, I, I guess I get that. The problem, the problem I see with this, this transparency thing is they have worked themselves up to believe that if someone with a monopoly on violence, you know, that, that's able to point the gun and, you know, hands are up or I'll shoot. We'll just take away this mask of, 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 of secrecy that every, all of their fears will be confirmed. 
but it's not. It's not going to happen. I mean, what I mean is, even if you got what you want and you look at the broker's contract, y'all going to be pissed to find out that they're getting somewhere between 10 and probably 15%. Well, and the other part of this is they everybody that says transparency also says that brokers aren't necessary. We don't need, brokers need trucks, truckers don't need brokers. That's just not true. I mean, first of all, 100% not true. I mean, shippers decide to use brokers, okay? They're not going to decide to use you, especially most of you dickheads are complaining about the brokers. Right. Because that's called sales, and you guys are horrible at it. Witness what you say on here. So it's just a foregone fact that brokers have an important role, and that is connecting people who don't want to deal with truck drivers with yeah. people who who will like the people in our comment section on that TikTok and the ones that have stitched it and do edit it and yelled and screamed and cut one lady one lady actually deleted hers because she used the f bomb like 16 times and yeah. she was like well I said that too many times so she deleted it and put it back up right uh, of course you know she I guess she believed that I was innocent uh that you were a broker uh, and of course I was guilty because I agreed with you. Cause it, well, I think the only thing I said in the whole thing was 100%. That's all I said. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, I know, I know she left me out there to hang out to dry, you know? Well, there's <laughs> but legend. I, I got plenty of my moments too. Um, but guys, it, it, it's just, it, it's not logical. Okay. The shippers by and large on the micro level are never going to put up with, Broker taking 50% of the rate. They're not going to, they don't, they don't have some love affair with brokers. They're going, yeah, listen, I'm fine. They, they can, they can double charge me. I'm okay with that. That's just nonsense. But, but Chris, when you, when you boil it down to the most basic thing, even if they did, it doesn't matter. Nope. Okay. It doesn't matter. Well, and if, uh, if you like the, if you pick up, if you choose the load, because you like the rate, what difference does it make with the break? If you don't like the low because the rate's not good enough, you can't make them give up their money for you to make that rate attractive to you. That's what this all boils down right. to. Right, exactly. It's completely what it boils down to is that I can't make enough money with this rate because my model's so screwed up that mm-hmm. I want to take your money to make my model work in this situation. You know? There was one went around yesterday. I think I saved it. And he said, well, it used to be it, it took 12 to 14 days to pay our bills. I'm like, your bills. Okay. Now it takes 37 days, he says. Now, I mean, I'm looking at us and I'm going, okay, you know, I mean, if a truck makes a thousand bucks a day, we're, we're pretty happy with that. You know, that'd be, that'd be $37,000 according to his, his math. Right. Um, you know, and, and, but of course, nobody wants to talk about, well, okay, well, buddy, what, what are your numbers? Let's talk about know. your numbers. They have no idea what they are. Don't have no idea. They right. think they have to have five, but we, you know, Anique had a, had a post today and she was asking, Hey guys, tell me exactly what it is that your minimum would be. And I, t- I told her, I said, Anique, they have no idea. Mm-mm. They have no zero clue. idea what they have to, what they have to have. They know what they want to have, but right. it's not, it's not backed up by any numbers. I'm not pulling a load for less than 350 a mile. Okay. Absolutely. You know, I, we know Again, what, it, what our cost is. It all comes back to, they have a business model that is not sustainable in this market. Okay. Rather than point the finger at themselves mm-hmm. for, for, for buying that truck and that trailer and having that operation, you know, and, and, and 
my God, we've told him for two years that won't work. Right. Uh, we gave him two opportunities to come to a live event mm-hmm. and find out how to make it work. Okay. Mm-hmm. They didn't come. Nope. Some people did, but the guys who, who needed to come didn't. And now they're in trouble and they want to take money from somebody whose business model. First of all, the brokers' businesses are down right now as well. You know, they get paid a percentage of the rate. So if rates are down, guess what? Their percentage is down. So, but you want to take their money? I, it's just, I just, it, 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 you talk about freedom while ago. You want mm-hmm. freedom. Yep. This is the exact opposite of that. 100%, 100% opposite of that. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, you made your bed, you know, now you have to lie. If this doesn't work, guess what? Um, there's a driver shortage. You don't heard that? Go get a freaking job. Okay. Absolutely. Sell your, sell your, sell your expensive truck or let it be repossessed. Walk away from that walk away lease that you signed that you didn't read and go get a job. Everything's resolved. Okay. But no, let's this bring down. It just makes me crazy. I wish I was drinking. I, somebody said something about that. Yeah. I didn't think drinking and blockchain, where I don't really understand where we would mix together. I thought I better be at this with all my faculties. So, yeah. Well, I, I put out a call. I, I'm going to try it again, I guess, on TikTok because there are some really interesting creators that talk about this stuff, uh, not from a transportation angle. They just, it's just in general that I probably ought to, you know, try to do some content with. Um, but y'all just remember, just remember this one thing. If you're alive today, May 5th, 2023, 9.53 PM, you live in the, 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 the most fantastic and exciting time to be alive in all of human history. It ain't never been as good as it's been as, as it is now. And it's only going to get better from here. Turn off the TV, just turn it off for the love of God read a book. I had a, I used to have a friend that I went to high school with and, and he would, anytime I would engage with, you know, one of these left wing nuts or whatever on Facebook and he would, his only comment ever read a book, you know, they'd be railing on about the, you know, read a book. Just, 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 just read a book, please. God. Not to change the subject, but you have to change the subject. Go ahead. We have two <clears throat> rookies this week. Mm-hmm. That that did that have they've got ten thousand dollar weeks going. Mm-hmm. Two rookies. Yep. But but rates are out. The, we 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 have to close down. We can't pay our bills for thirty seven weeks. But this, we're going to it. Shit's just hitting the fan. Mm-hmm. Like two guys have been here less than a month. Yep. Did ten grand this week. Well, and I was I was curious. Uh, uh, I'm gonna get out to BSC nine thousand here. Six four divided by. I hate to tell you this because you're gonna want we put you on a commission. Which three three dollars whole fleet for this week. Three dollars and thirty four cents per loaded mile. And our deadhead. Uh, deadhead was probably a little crazy. Nineteen percent. It's you know four percent over. We're twenty six percent above four uh, above um yeah goal this yeah. week goal twenty six percent. We beat goal. it. We beat it last week too, didn't we? We did, but not by that big of a margin. But yes, we did. Yeah. 
But think, but this is the worst time ever in trucking. <laughs> oh, Landstar sucks. <laughs> we added two drivers last month. We're having two more this month. Adding two more this month. <clears throat> By the way, we do have two trucks that are open. If you want to come get in on this party and learn how to do shit the right way and not have to be on Facebook bitching about rates and taking money away from brokers, mm -hmm. come here. We'll teach you. Step All by right. step. Uh, we need to get you started now. It takes about six, four to six weeks for us to get you through the gauntlet. Our next class needs to be in June sometime. So get started now. Mm -hmm. uh, as a reminder, we haven't really officially announced it yet, but unofficially, our live event will be August 1920, Friday, excuse me, Saturday, Sunday. Is we it official you, once you've announced it on a podcast? It, I, you know, we haven't opened it up. You can't buy tickets yet. Let's That's correct. That you can't register any of that stuff. So. <laughs> right. But pass the word. Uh, we're going to do it different this year because I'm tired of being the only person that has to work that weekend. So uh, we're going to have some invited guests, and uh, we might have had one tonight. Uh, but uh, we're going to have some other people there talking about what they do and what they do best. Um, it's, a, it's a great weekend to share ideas and network and, and you know, see what we do with the curtains pulled back. And It'll be in Hurricane, West Virginia. Mm -hmm. um, we have a hotel there that's outstanding. We get a really good rate there. There's truck parking everywhere if you need to drive a truck. Um, and, um, we'll probably get the thing. I, I got to get to work and put it together, but we'll probably open it up, you know, pretty soon and get to get it out there. Um, last year we cut it off at 50 people. Uh, we probably get, we can use more of the room this time. We didn't know how much room we we're going to have last time. Cause we had to, well, well, I'll have to share it with a WWE. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> maybe we can open it up a little more this year and have more of you there. But, uh, anyway. Put it on your calendar, save the date, and um, come spend a weekend with uh, with us. So, I like it. Well, uh, fantastic episode. Uh, we're, we're making a habit out of this. We've had two or three really good ones in a row here. We um, have. Next, next week. Look, so next week, Larry will be in Chicago with the grandbabies, <laughs> and I will have Anique back here to just shred all your feelings. Um, she will. She will break your hearts. I, I wish uh, I, I don't normally watch the podcast ever, but I think I might watch that one just because I want to see the fireworks. Oh, and yeah. I wish I was here to be with her, but oh, yeah. anyway, you'll That's have to, be great. you'll have to fill in well for, for both of us, but, uh, it's, it'll be good. It'll be good. And I, and listen, if this, if this thing that went off today generates as much interest as it has today, they'll all be fired up by next week. And wanting to, they'll oh, be yeah. pot shotting her. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Listen, I promise to do my absolute level best to keep them stirred up. So, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of my well, lot all life. you regulars, we appreciate you. You know, like and subscribe. That helps us. Um, if you would not mind, give Pittsburgh Power Call this week and encourage them to um, stay as our sponsor. Okay. Yep. We're, in a little, we're in a little negotiation with them right now. So uh, tell them you'd like for them to continue on. We appreciate that. Uh, we've got some other news about sponsorship coming up. We'll have in next week or two. So, uh, anything else we need to talk about, buddy? I don't believe so. I think I'm, um, I think I'm good. Um, well, um, I guess we're out. So yep. you guys be safe this week. I won't see you for two weeks, 
But I think I'll watch and uh, and watch the fireworks from. I will be drinking next Friday when I watch it. Okay, <laughs> okay. I can assure you that. So live, well, you need to get you do you a guest spot live from the. From the I'll do. Bar. I'll do a. I'll do a hit from the. From there the you go. Bar, okay, we'll do a yeah. live hit. Okay, so that'll be perfect. There you go. All right. All right. Guys. I'm gonna I'm gonna milk this for another forty seconds so we can be exactly two hours long. All right. Um, and I'll I will put uh, I will put this up. So just so you all can know, go to the website and read about the Masterclass 2023. If you're curious about our program and what it is and how it works, we have it all outlined on the website. You we can do. read all about it. Every word is there. Just Every like a, just like a contract that you would sign anywhere else. It's all there. Every yep. word. It's there. So <laughs> next weekend, eight o'clock Eastern time, Anikla Sage coming back. Uh, I can't wait. I'm going to, I'm going to piss so many people off this week. I, I can't, I just can't wait. And now two, one done. See y'all next week. Good night guys.